Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? Wednesday, we are in the house. I got Grifka here. We're going to be talking about uh, coming off this Cowboy game, another tough game for our Lions, but we've got tons to talk about on this show. We're going to head some news and notes off the top, talk about this game review, um, lots of things that happen inside and outside of this game that I want to talk about uh, as far as talking points, things around this team. So uh, definitely uh, give this uh, full show a listen because we're going to talk more than just uh, reviewing the Cowboys. But uh, like I say, it was another tough loss. Uh, As I said on Twitter earlier today, this season is now kind of officially off the rails, but that doesn't mean there's still not things to look forward to or things to talk about in regards to this team, where they're going, where they could go, and what's currently going on. So with all that being said, let me bring in the one and the only Grifka. Grifka, how are you, man? Oh man, you know, could be better. Just, uh, you know, any glimmer of hope I had, you know, left for the season in this team, I think it just pretty much was extinguished after uh, yesterday's uh, yesterday's tough game. Yeah, I don't know about that. You know me, uh, I don't know that everything's extinguished. I think there's still a lot to talk about, a lot to look forward to, but a lot of frustration. And, uh, you know, like I say, as, as optimistic as I always want to be, you know, I'm frustrated, too, in regards to this record and how they've played in some areas. We'll talk all about it on the show and uh, on Friday as well. So let's let's do what we do here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Let's get right into it. Bo Scarborough, Grifka. This was a guy that uh, I guess I better give myself uh, my own Grifka bell here. Toot my own Grifka bell because uh, I, I put it out on Twitter uh, why don't we just go sign Bar Scarborough already? Like I liked him better than Jay Ajayi, and sure enough, moments later, Bob Quinn goes out and signs Bo. I mean, he must be uh, must be, you know, on my Twitter timeline checking out what I'm suggesting. He goes out and gets this guy. This guy comes in. This is a two sided coin for me. He comes in on Sunday, kind of comes out of the woodwork like late in the week. They say that he's going to be on the active roster. Then then he shows up and starts the football game. Runs the football well. Everybody gets excited. This guy's 6'1", 220, 230 pounds. Ran it hard, found the end zone. But here's where I get annoyed. Because, yeah, he looked good. He's younger. He's got some upside. He ran 14 times for, like, 55 yards and a touchdown. Like, everybody was acting like we had this incredible run game. We had that, and then J.D. McKissick made a few hustle plays. Other than that, we did nothing again in the run game. And people acted like we had this amazing day running the football. Like we need to get out of this rut of thinking that because we saw a few flashes that uh, we're doing things. Any other NFL team be like, 
if you had 50 yards from a guy, big deal. You know, they can get that from their third, fourth string, which is probably where both Scarborough hopefully will shake out on this team. But for now, he's basically our lead back. And for me, like I said, he's just another body. And he showed up decently well on Sunday. It was encouraging. I was excited to see it, but I'm not doing backflips. What do, what do you say? Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I, I don't get it. You know, uh, us as Lions fans, I mean, I'm not saying me and you per se, but it seems like there's like a lot of fans in this base who always want to be, uh, you know, looking at the ma- massive positive, but they'll take like a game like that and just act like, you know, we all of a sudden found the next like, you know, Natron means or something where it's just like, oh my gosh, you had a great game. You know, you know, what was his first game with us? And look, we didn't have a quarterback. And like, I- I'm thinking even if we had Matt Stafford and, he, he probably would have put up roughly the same stats. I mean, they weren't running a, uh, you know, a stacked box like we saw a lot of defenses do against carry on early in the year. And, you know, the Cowboys run defense isn't, you know, it's not that great, but um, it's just one of those things. It seems like fans, we just get like, you know, all like, you know, wow, awesome. And other teams fans, you know, like, you know, that are used to like good running backs and great running games are just like, yeah, okay, uh, you guys, uh, that's pretty nice, but uh, I don't get it. You're right. We just get, It's one of those things I think, you know, anybody does something just a little bit, and we all act like, when, you know, this guy's going to the hall or something, and you're right. That's, it just kind of leads to the blinders of Lions fans. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm there with you, but like I said, the, the positives and the things I did like is his size, He's got elite athleticism. He's young, probably 22, 23 years old. He played at Alabama. Of course, the other thing I love is after the game, no matter win, loss, good, bad, I got to kind of watch the interviews. I want to see what Matt Pat, Safford, all the other players in the locker room are saying, get a gauge for that. And Bull Scarborough was like, he didn't want any credit for how he ran because first he said, we didn't win. That's what we want to do. So I like that. Then he said, I'm not surprised. I did this at college. I was just waiting for my opportunity. Uh, Matt Patricia gave me an opportunity. I'm excited to play for him, uh, and he's here. So not only is he confident, but he also has coaches back, which I always like. And he said, I played for Nick Saban. I played in big games at college. Like, this guy has that in him. Now, am I saying he's going to be some big lead workhorse running back? No. But I think that, you know, if he can be another body right now – you know, along with, uh, I really taking a liking, even though he's made like no plays, this sounds so weird, Grifka, but I'm saying it to you. You'll probably like it. Like he's made no plays done nothing, but I like some of the things I see in the build and the ability. I think that Ty Johnson has, he just hasn't hit any yet and hasn't really been put in position to make plays, but between Bo and Ty and then mixing in McKissick here and there, like that's still a terrible backfield when it comes to NFL running backs. But to me, it's much better than when Bo wasn't here. So get him out there, run him, run him hard. Hope he stays healthy. And then next year, maybe he can slide in as that third, fourth running back. That's got some pop to him, you know, some goal lines, some, some other, uh, you know, big hitting plays from a guy like this that has some pedigree and just waiting for an opportunity. Had never even had an NFL carry to this game. I thought he acquitted himself well. So I thought we'd just bring him up off the top. Bo knows, man. Bo knows how to run the football. Bo knows touchdowns. And Bo better know that 
Uh, he's pretty much all we got at running back right now uh, from a, from a big athlete perspective. So hopefully he can keep it going. Grifka, the next thing I got to talk about is your boy. You know, we always joke on the show, you hate tight ends, but you love this guy in the preseason. And I got a big issue with this guy. His name, I don't know, maybe you've heard of it. The outlaw, Jesse James. Does this guy play on the Detroit Lions? I don't even see him out there ever. He doesn't do anything. And I I chalked him up a couple weeks ago as best play of the year. His three-yard catch on a third and two that won us a football game. Other than that, I don't even know that he's ever even taken a snap. This guy makes, on average, I rounded it up, Grifka, $6 million for the next four years. For what? He can't block. He can't catch. He doesn't even see the field. Like, tell me about your boy, Jesse James, because I'm real frustrated with this contract right now and the fact that he's given us no production and neither of the other tight ends, which we'll get to later. Yeah, I don't understand this either because uh, Jesse James in Pittsburgh, we all knew that he wasn't the number one, you know, receiving threat. He wasn't, you know, Gronkowski, you know, Pittsburgh did have some offensive weapons, so they really didn't need him. But he always seemed to be that guy when Roethlisberger needed a, uh, you know, a, a check down for like a, a short first down or something like that. And he he always seemed to be open, you know. And I, I don't I don't know I, I don't get it. I was I'm just as kind of disappointed as you. It's funny though, because every time they show the starting lineups at the beginning of the game, because me and you have watched every Lions game, he's like the starting tight end. But you're right. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. So uh, I don't want to say they should be drawing up plays for him because if he's not doing what the offense, you know, is asking him to do, if he's missing something, if he's not blocking, you know, like like they were hoping he would be. But he, he doesn't even seem to be that check down guy. It always seems to be either the running back out of the backfield or, you know, Amendola, which, you know, I don't have a problem with that. But I can't understand why you gave this guy. I mean, you know. You know, it was. It was a big chunk of change. I remember you mentioned that in the preseason as we were doing our dollars and cents. You you thought his contract might have been a little big, but uh, they, he just doesn't. He just doesn't get the ball. And uh, like you said, he just he's he's missing right now. He's on the back of a uh, of a milk carton. So uh, I don't get it. Yeah, man. I this is gonna be another big indictment. Again, I'm a Bob Quinn guy. I support the guy, but if this guy makes no plays and you have to cut him and eat a bunch of this money, I mean. I had Twitter battles with people who were going nuts that I wanted to pay Melvin Gordon like nearly 10 million bucks to come here for two to four years and ball out. And here we are, got Jesse James on the books that average 5.6, 6 million plus doing nothing at the tight end position, which we all know as much as I, you know, vouch for it at times is nowhere near as impactful. So I wanted to bring that up off the top because I mean, maybe he'll come out and make some plays. Maybe they think, you know, they need this depth because they're waiting on injuries at that position. They haven't had any really, but they also haven't had production. I mean, the rookie hadn't done anything. You know, Logan Thomas, uh, you know, is a glorified nothing there. And then you got this stiff who, like, just stands there. Oh, wow, he's six seven, Great. You know, what else has he done? Absolutely nothing except cash checks. Um, so I've, I've about had it enough with this guy. What are you paying him, $6 million to be a, a good locker room guy? Yeah, I don't think so. You better be able to block, catch, and do a bunch of other things if we're going to pay you that because, like I say, NFL, that'll get you a, a good running back, good skill player at other spots instead of uh, – you know, middle of the road type tight end. So, oh man, Grifka, that's all I got. News and notes. You got anything else or you want to get to this game review? Yeah, let's get to this game review. Let's uh, get this up and out of the way. 
Yeah, let's do that. Uh, quick pause for our sponsors. We'll be right back talking Lions Cowboys. Be right back, everybody. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, everybody, we're back. The Cowboys came into Ford Field, and oh my goodness, we'll talk about it here in a little bit. Did they come into Ford Field? Um, star on the helmet. You know, we pulled the old okie doke wearing the white crispy jerseys. I'm sure that really threw them off. Um, the Lions, you know, we come out the gate again. Good well, like we 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 get the uh, we get the football. We come right down, or no, we cause the fumble right off the bat on Zeke Elliott. Puts the ball on the carpet. I don't know if you noticed, Grifka. You might want to check your uh, your written down stat book that you got at home that you keep uh, all the stats with. Jared Davis rips the ball out. Fumble on Zeke Elliott, who I called probably the best running back in football behind Saquon Barkley and the uh, ball on the ground, uh, church's money, as uh, Warren Sapp would say, we scoop it. Next thing you know, Bo Scarborough, five yard touchdown, seven zip lions. I mean, I thought they got off to a great start. And I feel like they've been doing that this season. It's like the bizarro last few years where they couldn't score ever. And now we're just getting up early and then just crumbling down the stretch, but seven Oh Bo in the end zone. What'd you think? Yeah, that was a it was a nice play, um, you know, by your boy, you know, uh, you know, Jared Davis. There, I gave him his I gave him his ounce of pub that uh, you were looking for me to give. But uh, the team Thank did you. play with a lot of energy. They see, like you said, they seem to do well early. I think Daryl Bubble is one of those guys that scripts a lot of the offensive plays early. So obviously they run that a lot in practice. So they know what they're doing. But uh, the defense, you know, came out you know pretty stout first couple drives, and it was nice to see. Like said Bo Scarborough, you know, running hard and getting into the end zone on that. So really, uh, you know, I thought maybe at that point, I'm like, hey, man, this, uh, you know, this is, could be a different than what me and you thought from when we uh, previewed the game. Yeah, man. And I'm just remembering this play as I'm, as we're talking about it, like the greatest thing about this play was Bo just fighting for extra yardage, kept his knees off the ground, extended towards the end zone, like all that kind of extra effort we always want from, especially these guys that we know are not like top end starters. These are backup. These are depth guys giving us that type of effort and that nose for the end zone. I mean, it's been too many times where you're stopped just a little bit short and, uh, and next thing you know, they're kicking a field goal or something. So seven zip, the the Cowboys come back there in the first quarter to get a field goal. So seven, three at the end of one, um, as we get in the second quarter, like this is kind of where it gets dicey for the lions. You know, the game kind of swung here, you know, the, the Cowboys come down early in the second quarter and they get a 21 yard touchdown to Tony Pollard from Dak Prescott. I mean, 
Dak had all day to throw. He threw this out to Tony Pollard. I remember just feeling like one of those where Pollard just scampered through our defense, bad tackling, bad effort. Next thing you know, this rookie little fella ends up in the end zone. It was pretty frustrating for me on this end to see this one. Yeah, that was, they seem to have certain guys on the field running free all day. And uh, I'm not quite for sure who was supposed to be guarding Pollard on that. I don't know if it was either, you know, uh, I don't know, Tavai, you know, Davis, Christian Jones. I mean, I, I, I'm not for sure, but he caught the ball with nobody around him. So, uh, as once again, just you've kind of seen it this year out of the defense and actually saw more of it later in the game where it's just busted defense and you're always kind of left scratching your head like, you know, Who's, who's guarding this guy? How's this guy so wide open? Yeah. This is where I got to pull you back to earth a little bit, though, Grifka, because so Tony Pollard scampers in the end zone. It's 10-7 against the Dallas Cowboys. Sure, we're at home, but I'm looking at a little something on ESPN right now. The Cowboys, they do the analytics here. 94% chance of winning this football game. You know, they had a projected score of 27-21. So, like, if I had told you, like, early or mid second quarter that it's 10 seven, you probably would have taken that. That's still a, a plenty, you know, doable game for our lions. And what do they do? They come right down six plays, 45 yards, uh, three, only a three minute drive. And midway through the second quarter, Jeff Driscoll with an incredible little option play where he just kept it and just walked in the end zone. I mean, I feel like this was the game, like the first time I saw Driscoll, I wrote people on Twitter and said, what What are they talking about? This guy's an incredible athlete. I, I didn't see any of it. I just saw minimal glimpses. This game I saw many more glimpses of. He's big, he is pretty athletic, and he can make some plays. He just still really can't zing it around the field like number nine can. So 14-10 Lions halfway through the second quarter, heading to halftime. I mean, come on, Grifka. This is the NFL. That's still great play by our team that's beat up all over the field. Yeah, uh, Driscoll's playing pretty well. It's, you know, there's a couple things where, you know, I'm like sitting there going, okay, throw the ball, a couple throws, you know, that – got away from him that he, you know, put in into the turf, but okay. I mean, you're right. He, he's not, you know, Matt Stafford and it's kind of expected out of, uh, out of a backup QB, but he, he, I think the last couple games, even, you know, short notice against the bears, I thought he played well enough to win that game. And the same thing here, you know, uh, you know, that, uh, read, you know, I don't know, read option, if that's what you want to call it, or RPO or whatever. I, I, I don't care. I mean, um, it, it was a good play. It, it tricked the announcers. It tricked the cameraman because the, if you're watching the game, the highlight nice. it actually kind of follows the, the, the camera kind of moves down a tiny bit to watch the running back. And you see Driscoll just kind of scamper in. So it was a nice fake and it's a part of the playbook that the Lions never had before. But uh, you're right at this point, you know, I'm like, okay, hey, we're still in this, you know, this team's showing something, you know, and uh, you know, the, high-powered uh, Cowboys offense, you know, they were, I don't want to say holding them in check, but they were keeping pace with them. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, the thing I'll caution us on, again, we talked about it with Bo, is I think midway through the second quarter here, it's 14-10. I want to say they said either here or nearing halftime that Driscoll had like 50 passing yards, you know, so he was moving the football. They also got a decent kick return, some other penalties that switch field position. So it's not that he was really moving it through the air or doing amazing things, but I mean, like you say, uh, it's all about the scoreboard at this point. So you know, I'm feeling good with this. The Cowboys come right back, seven plays, 75-yard drive, barely three minutes, one-yard TD to uh, to Zeke Elliott on the ground, just kind of pounded it in there, had one that looked like it was a touchdown. Next play, they just came and just pounded it right up the middle on us for a touchdown. I'm just looking at Zeke Elliott's numbers, though. We just kind of banged on Bo and, like, how we were going crazy. Zeke Elliott, 16 carries, 45, a touch. Um, on the run game. I mean, I know Matt Pat said in his presser today, he liked how they did against the run the last few games. I mean, as much as we're going to beat up this defense later here in the review, like holding that guy and Barkley and, you know, some of the people they've held down is at least something to sort of build upon, not hang your hat on at this point, but um, you know, they, they didn't let him go crazy. That's for sure on the ground. Yeah. I, I know it was that they talked about it, you know, during the week, during the press conferences, that last year's game, Matt Pat remembered that and he wasn't going to let that happen again. That's pretty much, you know, I'm not, you know, obviously quoting him verbatim, but that's pretty much what he said. And you're right. They, they didn't let, you know, him, uh, him beat him on the ground. Um, but, uh, like you said, we can talk about the rest of the defense uh, later. Yeah. Yeah. So 17, 14 at that point, you know, this is where it flips. So they get that, they answer our score, which again, we just were hoping just get off the field, get the ball back, maybe get some more points, add to this four point lead that we had. Nope. They come right back down score. Then, you know, then we have an, a deadly touchdown with 27 seconds left in the half to Randall Cobb, 19 yard pass, Felt like he's one of the guys, like you said, that was running through the defense clean all day. Um, him and, and Michael Gallup really made a lot of plays in this game. So 24 to 14 with really no time left in the half. To me, this is just another one where, you know, did we get the ball off to the half or no? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. we, we turned him over. It felt like we had it first. We turned him over. So so they scored, but it's kind of like, we get the ball. Maybe we can go get a touchdown. But still, man, going down 10 after playing pretty decent at the half to me is always kind of disconcerting because they should have either been either close or not a 10-point deficit at that point based on how this half went. Yeah, the my biggest disappointment with that is just how Dallas marched down the field. I mean, like you said, right. there was some chunk plays in there and they moved relatively quickly and ease and uh, just you know the same stuff we've been kind of saying all year no real pass rush guys just kind of running free and yeah I, I don't know it was that was that was kind of frustrating more so than you yeah. know being down by 10 because obviously it's halftime and it's pro game just 10 points you can still make that up obviously the lines did but uh that's it's just it's such a momentum killer i mean if you're only down by three you know, going, you know, going into half and you get the ball first, like, yeah, okay, we'll get the first you know, drive, go down and score, take the lead. Instead, it's like, okay, we got to score just to keep pace. So, yeah, that was, yeah, I'm, re- I'm right there with you. And like, we're going to talk about it after we rumble through the rest of this review of just the, like you say, we're seeing the same old things on defense, not being able to get after the quarterback, you know, they're standing back there for days. Uh, you know, it, these are pro quarterbacks. Like if you're giving them, you know, five, six seconds to find somebody, 
don't care who you have out on the edges guarding or rushing the passer. You know, if you can't get to them, guys are going to get open. And they definitely did in this game. Dak Prescott was barely touched all day and had a big stat line, which we'll get to here at the end. But uh, third quarter, kind of nine minutes left in the third. Marvin Jones, nice little 11-yard touchdown pass from Driscoll. Thought this was another – this was a really good drive here. Ten plays, 75 yards, uh, eight up, let's see – nearly six minutes a clock and then to cap it off with a Marvy touchdown, which, you know, is he's been finding the end zone well this year. And I just thought this was a good throw, good catch. Uh, really liked this score, making it 24, 21 Dallas at this point. One thing I'm liking about this offense this year is I know they kept kind of saying it, you know, we haven't called Gall- um, Galladay. We haven't called Galladay. It seems like those wide receivers, any one of them can step up big, and that's what I'm really liking about this this offense. I mean, yeah, fine, take away Galladay. We'll, we'll just go to Marvin. And that's what, like you said, that's what Marvin's been doing. And when they're like, okay, well, you know, Marvin's been really hot. Let's take it away him. Galladay's been open. Or, you know, like even so, they'll dump it down to Amendola, you know, to get that, you know, that first down as needed and scamper. But that's what I'm really liking about this offense so far this year. Yeah, they've really been able to spread around. I guess my counter point to that or the other side of the coin is that I feel like we do kind of a poor job of getting the ball to our elite playmakers just for years now. I mean, I, they did force feed it to Calvin. Obviously Barry was a stud, you know, some of that kind of stuff, but I feel like we, we know and other teams know who our top players are and we overthink it sometimes, or we just exclude them from the game plan. I mean, yeah, go ahead and spread it around, but to not get Kenny the ball, for the whole game until basically the last couple plays of the game to me is inexcusable. There's no, there's no other team that comes into the game like, Oh, we'll just not throw to Deandre Hopkins all game. That'll fool them. No, they just milk Deandre Hopkins. Cause he's that freaking good. So we might want to start trying that with some of our playmakers or people that we invest in, which again, at a tight end position, maybe that we'll talk about later. So um, Dallas gets a field goal to kind of late in the third quarter there, 27, 21, which, Again, every game, the Lions have been within seven, ten points. It feels like striking distance heading into the fourth quarter. You know, most people are probably thinking, ah, you know, down six, you know, heading into the fourth, Dallas will just run away with it. They do come down with seven minutes or so left in that fourth and get a, a – this was a really – Good play by the Cowboys, but it's it's a microcosm to me of the Lions season. They call a screen pass one of the few times that we bring blitz. I think it was it was either Melvin or Tavon are coming in and like Dak Prescott goes Stafford and throws a sidearm just around the fingers of our defender, misses it by a what do they say on uh, NFL Network by a by a pinch, you know. Um, and just misses it. And then they uh, Zeke Elliott picks this thing like out of the air, barely, then almost falls, keeps his feet, and then just scampers in the end zone and does the Dak dance, which they had to talk about for the rest of the game. Are you kidding me? Um, it was kind of funny, but still, I don't need to hear it six times uh, throughout the last half quarter. This, this killed me in so many ways. Put him up 35-21. Every... Lions fan in the building watching at home is basically like, ah, this is it. You know, probably gave up on the team. Did not look good. This was one of those plays. If you, if you hit it with your hand, knock it down, it's great. You know, who knows what that does to the game, but you don't. And they score a touchdown on it. 
Yeah, the way uh, Zeke um, actually caught that ball, you know, when, uh, like you said, he almost fell down. So he took his hand off the ball, and he's pretty much palming the football and held on to it. I yeah. mean, all of a matter of seconds. If he would have dropped it there, it obviously would have been an incomplete pass. But after he, like, gathered himself, after, you know, holding on to the ball, he just, you know, took two steps, and he was at top speed and pretty much going through our defense, hit that second gear, and nobody was going to catch him. So, right. Yeah, that was yeah. You have to hand it to the Cowboys. That was that was a really really good play. And the word I was looking for is not the pinch, but whenever you watch NFL Network, they always ask them, "You like are the Lions going to score above or below twenty points?" They go, "Just a titch below." <laughs> Makes me laugh every time when they say titch. Um, but uh, eleven plays, eighty-four yards, six-minute drive right here is really tough. Like I say, halfway through the fourth quarter. 35-21 Cowboys, but the Lions fire back. They come right down, five plays, 75 yards, barely two minutes off the clock. 25-yard tutty to Marvin Jones, uh, 35-27. I mean, to me, this was this was a big-time answer, kind of unexpected. It gave them life. What happens? Sure enough, they, uh, they do end up getting Dallas to punt. They do throw a ridiculous Hail Mary uh, in the middle of the football field to Kenny. What does he do? Not only does he catch it, but he gets a face mask. So it's another 15. I think we're cooking. And then what happens is we just penalties, stall out, sack, whatever the heck happened. It was fourth and 27. And then we don't, we don't go. We don't have anything dialed up. We just, for some reason, then think our defense is going to stop someone. And do you want to talk about that, Grifka? And the, the, do you have any takes on the two-point conversion or no? Um, yeah, I was sitting here scratching my head. I'm actually thinking to myself, am I doing math right? I, I don't understand it. I was talking to this about a guy at work today because he stopped me. He goes, why do you go for two? I go, yeah, I listened to Matt Patricia's answers, quote, you know, like, oh, well, you know, the thought process is you go for two and, you know, you try it twice and you only have to get the two-point conversion once. And so I'm talking to this guy at work and I'm just like, you know who does that? High school teams do that. I go, I went to a high school and that's what we did. We didn't have a kicker, so we had to go for two every time. And like the coaches thought, well, you only have to get it half the time, you know, and I couldn't even understand it at that point. And then, you know, once again, I want you to bust out the conspiracy music on this. I want you to really find this while I bring this up. Because right. this is what made me think. I'm just, you know, once again, I love reading other people's comments. <laughs> and people are like, you know, like 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 we were just talking. Oh, my gosh. How could they do that? What, Matt Patricia so dumb. What was he thinking? And all I could think was like, and all of a sudden, somebody just puts a, somebody puts the quote, check the line. So I'm just like. So I went and pulled it up, and I'm just like, yep, the line of the, oh. the line before the game, at, at game time, Cowboys minus seven. I'm like, oh, at some point late in the game, the Lions went for two, and they missed it. They lose by eight. I'm like, oh, Matt Pat's money must have been on the Cowboys that game. <laughs> Kirka, that, 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 that's got to be a bit for the show. You don't really believe that, do you? No, no, but it's still, it was, it was funny though. Somebody just put check the line. I'm like, oh, I am good. You know, I wonder what it was because I just didn't know if the guy was, you know, full of, full of junk. Yeah. I was like, yep, Cowboys minus seven. <laughs> I'm just like, that's all I can think. I'm like, oh, Matt Pat's money must have been on the Cowboys. I'm killing your music now, but the, so I get the funny part of that, but here's the other side of the coin. Like, we know that's not, uh, you know, not legit, but there are some ridiculously 
stupid things that happen when it comes to money lines in the NFL, especially like, you know, I, they do the thing on sports center, whatever the bad beats, but like, I would not put it past these referees, these other people lower on the food chain to do some of this crap, but the way that it just barely misses the line or goes over, whatever the case is like does, uh, does make me want to get out the music every time. No doubt. Um, yeah, Chris I know that didn't let, happen, but it was just funny that somebody actually thought that because I didn't even think that. I just, yeah. I thought it was, I, I didn't, I thought there was a, I thought it was a dumb call, and somebody said it perfectly. It's like if that's the way you're gonna play, why do it at that touchdown? Score, get down by seven. If you want to go for the win after you score your second touchdown, fine, do it at that point. That way you're not chasing that point just to tie. So yeah. I think Matt Patricia's explanation to it, and I just. Like I said, he's obviously such a smarter guy than me, but I just I yeah. thought that was just I thought that was just dumb right there yeah. at that point. Well, I'm with you on the fact that like again they have all these advanced and what you should like to me those are there for a reason. Like somebody has crunched a bunch of numbers, figured it out. So I I, I bet it really does. You know, when it comes to mathematics, makes sense. I I really wasn't thinking too much about it because. You got to go score regardless. I'm thinking more of how does our defense get off the field? How do we get the ball back? And then what are we going to do with it? So, I mean, my thing is they just haven't been able to stop anyone. So to me, it was more of a try to win this game rather than just tie this game type of move, which, which I don't mind at this point with the way the record is, the way the season's been going. You'd love to steal one against the Cowboys with a, let's say you get the two point there, you punt them. You fluke into some nice like catch and run play by one of our receivers to score, you know, kick it and win it type of thing. You know, that's kind of where my head was at when they did it. But then, of course, there's a bunch of overthinking. And here's my thing. You do it. I do it. But a lot of people out there, especially the Lions skeptics, uh, do it is everybody wants a bang on it now. Why? Because it didn't work. If they go ahead and go two point and get it. Even if they come and don't score again, this is not talked about. But it's talked about because they didn't get in, and then they kind of flubbed up the rest of the game. So it's just something else to point bad about the coach. And I feel like that happens too much with our Lions and just here in Detroit. It's like you can't sit back and second-guess everything. Sometimes you have to think, like, well, what if it worked? What would my take have been? I I guarantee if it works, people aren't going, oh, I wouldn't have done that. I would just kick two field goals or whatever. Like, people would have been like, oh, nice, aggressive move. So, anyway, I was, I was fine with it, to be honest. I think it's a lot of people that just kind of want to be negative about stuff after the game that put this in a little red check mark that something I can talk about against the coach. But, uh like you said, it had people scratching their heads. So what had me scratching my head was that punt. Like, I know it's fourth and 27, but, I mean, you, you basically knew a punt was going to take you under two minutes. or You didn't come up with anything creative, let's put it that way, to kick it and still get the timeout before the two-minute warning. So what were you doing there? You know, like you were you were just kicking it to them, going under two minutes and only having two timeouts, like, I don't know. didn't make much sense. And like you say, they kind of just fumbled away the rest of the game, which is this late game nothing that we've seen in, what, probably four or five games this year. It's been like, hey, we got the ball with a chance to tie, and we just do nothing, really. Yeah, my thing was, like, you're right, with the punt. And everybody's like, well, Charles Davis like, well, you know, they got the two-minute warning and two timeouts. I'm like, that punt's going to take it to the two-minute warning. 
So you're right. just losing your time out there that you keep talking. And I like Charles Davis as an announcer. I don't think he's terrible. But to say, like, well, they got the two-minute warning. That punt, I mean, unless he totally just shanks it right out of bounds, you know, yep. that's it's going to go to the two-minute warning, which it did. It went to 159. And, yep. you know, to say, like, well, they got two-minute, you know, well, that's just going to be at the end of the punt. So, once again, I wasn't quite for sure. And somebody brought up later afterwards, I was reading stuff, it's like, you know, was you know, Prater hurt? You know, you know, maybe that's why they went for two and they didn't try that long field goal. I, I, I don't but know. Why not? Like, you, you know, your D is struggling. I'd get to the sound bite, but I don't even want to at this point. Like, what? why would you not know that? Which you can tell Matt Pat did know that, even though he won't come on and say it. And just draw up either creative play, maybe a deep ball. Like, the Lions are getting back into that thing with no Matt Stafford where they don't stretch the field. And when you don't stretch the field, you're not going to get PIs. You're not going to get um, those 50-50 catch balls that Kenny and Marvin are great at. So I would have taken my chance with a 50-50 ball instead of punt and hope that we make some type of big play on defense. Because, I mean, gosh, I don't want to talk about this too much longer, but Griffco – what about your boy Slay that let two? I know he said he locked everybody down or he only had two balls come at him, but one went right through his hands. The other one, I can't remember. He had a play on it as well. Like, if you're going to have a nickname, that might be a good time to do something about it. Um, the first one was actually, was I think Tavon Austin. I was like, oh, it hit him in the hands. Well, Tavon Austin actually knocked it away from him, and that happens, you know, all the time. I mean, Tavon Austin played a, a hell of a defensive back there when the ball was meant for him, and he actually knocked it away from Slay. So I, I think I looked at, it, if anything, the ball might have like hit Slay the tip of his hands after it was, you know, f- you know, you know, deflected off Tavon Austin's hands. So that that uh, you know missed you know interception after opportunity that one doesn't bug me as much because actually Tavon Austin made a great play. The second one going right through his hands. That one, it was just, that was just, he was at, you know, I don't want to make excuses for him. His hands were like, he was full extension, jumping as high as as he could. So, I mean, I know, like, you played basketball, I played basketball. When you're really trying to get up as high as you can, (laughs) just the way you're, you're, you know, jumping with your arms up, your hands are spaced out. So the ball slipped right through him. So that's all I could figure on that one. But that one that Amari Cooper caught, you know, in front of him, he should have that interception. The other one people are bagging on him for, Tavon Austin actually tipped the ball away from him. So uh, that one people just need to, like, you know, calm down about and go watch the replay on that one. <laughs> but his name is Big Play, and if he catches that one where he has the Grifka ups and he's jumping and full extension, there is a lot of green grass for him to run, and it's probably a, a house call that maybe turns this whole football game. So anyway, lots yeah. of plays. Like, this I, is my I thing is that – like, the Lions played the Cowboys tough. This is another game where everybody is, like, down the dumps, like, that we got ran off the field, like, 42-7. We we have a backup quarterback, no running back. A bunch of our big defensive players got hurt. Um, and we're hanging in with a Cowboys team who, yeah, they're inconsistent, but they got a lot of good playmakers on both sides of the football. I feel like there's things to hang your hat on, and the thing to be negative about is the defense and the fact that you did not find a way to do anything good again at the end. 
Like, I don't even care if you start hot. If you just crumble and, and slulk to the finish with no creativity, no aggressiveness, you know how they've kind of a couple times they didn't even really use timeouts well or, you know, we're just not in any position to even throw a deep ball to score. Like, th- that's the most frustrating part to me. I feel like this was another game, like, thinking they were going to get just taken to the woodshed, and they didn't. But they also didn't win the football game. So that's why everybody is – is frustrated because if you get this one, you could have maybe went and got Washington and then had a real good chance at Turkey day and you still got some light, but because you lose this one, it really, it's just another halfway decent game, but also just terrible defense and terrible finishing ability, like, and penalties all over the field. Like that's what cost them. No turnovers, basically except the fumble, no big sacks, no big plays, and then just played well enough to hang in the game. And that's not, that's not going to get it done. Yeah, I I don't know how much how in depth you want to get on, on the defense. You know, me talking about them because I do have a little bit of a tirade. Not just you know how bad they're playing, just that other people's take on it. But you know, for uh, this defense, you know, and not just defense, just the penalties, even on offense. You know, the false starts, the holdings. You know, and on defense, some of the stuff they do. I mean, this. Def- this this team is is like undisciplined, like the Schwartz teams were. They, they really were. They really are. I mean, really look back and that team took a lot of penalties, and you know, with their aggressive play and everything, and it just seems like this team has the same has the same mantra. It just seems like some yeah. of these penalties, just like you know, some of them we question, and like you know, that wasn't that bad, or you know, the other team's doing it, and we're not doing it, you know. And I mean, you have talked about the refs and. Uh, but still, this team is just undisciplined with with those penalties. And like yeah. I said, I don't know how big of a rant you want me to go on on this defense. But yeah, you know, let's talk- uh, let's save it. Talk a little bit more on Friday. I I want to do something again. I rarely do on the show. I want to agree with you there. Um, I, I'm right there with you. I feel like it's it's been an undisciplined team from a penalty perspective. It continues to happen as well as. Like I said, I wanted to well, I want to talk about the defense on Friday because I got some takes on it as well as that's the hot button issue right now is not only why is it not getting better, but, you know, what is the problem? And are they really as bad as people make them sound? And are they, if so, if or if they're not, why does it continue to look bad every week? But let, let's t- talk about it a little bit more. I've got some rapid fires I'd like to do. Um, you know, the Cowboys – Let's put a button on this game real quick. The Cowboys win 35-27. You know, again, just sort of a a game the Lions hung in, but they gave up 444 passing yards and three touchdowns to Dak Prescott. Somewhat held Zeke in check, but uh, Michael Gallup went off. Didn't even really have Amari Cooper for most of this game. The Lions, you know, only got 209 passing yards from Driscoll, two TDs. Bo had the touchdown, and then it looks like they're – you know, like you said, there's the really receivers, Marvin and Danny Boy, just pedestrian days. You know, Marvin found the end zone there twice, but uh, you get one or two. You got two, yeah. Um, but like I say, it was just sort of a, a game where it has me at the TV till the very end, but it also was one that I just didn't feel like they had enough to get over the hump, and they, and they didn't. So, you know, tough loss. Griff guy, I want to hit you with a couple of rapid fires. Talk to me. Keep these a uh, few sentences. Um, what do you think about the crowd, man? Uh, Chuck, who our buddy was down there, 
Um, you know, he said it was about 60-40. I said, that's not surprising. You know, we're having a terrible year, and Dallas is, you know, the Yankees of football, and the Lions fans always quit when things aren't going great. That's kind of been their mantra for forever. They're, those that aren't drinking that Detroit Kool-Aid, like, what do you think about the crowd? And, man, they, they would seem pretty loud to me on TV, rooting for the Cowboys, chanting defense, all this other garbage. Yeah, it's uh... – I don't want to say it's a bad sign because, like you said, when he texted us saying, hey, it's about 60-40 crowd, and I'm just like, well, yeah, I can see that at this point in the year. But when you're when you're watching the game and at points you can hear, you know, like the Cowboys fans just totally ranting, making it sound like it's, you know, was at and Stadium or whatever like that. That's just – that's a bad that's a bad thing. And, and, and I, I'm almost glad that I'm a Lions fan that – I mean – the Lions have some sort of class, you know, it's like we've been to plenty of games and, you know, every once in a while I see a fight here and there, but we don't have like the, you know, you know, you hear about other fan bases being to like total jerks. I'm kind of glad we didn't have that, but gosh, guys, show up, man. I understand, you know, you know, we didn't go to Drifka. the game and, you know, we <laughs> sold the tickets to, to Chuck. So, you know, he can go out. He's such a big Cowboys fan and, and you know, it's cool, but you know, come on guys. I mean, you know, cheer for him at least, you know, I mean, you know, gosh, there, was, there were louder crowds when everybody wanted Matt Millen gone. So, <laughs> Griff, I, I got a bang on you, which is part of my gimmick of the show. But you know, you did see that part about a couple sentences, right? But uh, you, you can't yeah. you can't bag on being terrible fans and not do your two two minutes uh, Philly rant. People want to hear that again. <laughs> oh yeah, at least we're not Philly fans. Those guys are jerks. Gosh, man. I'm glad we beat those guys simply because they are such jerks. I mean, you, you throw snowballs at sand. Yeah, boo like the color of the grass. I mean, they're morons. They're, they're smart, they're intelligent fans. No, they're ass. Yo, sorry. They're jerks. Gosh. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe you don't see some of these coming where you do class. You run yourself right into these great Grifka bits and you don't even pick up on it that you're you're banging on the fans saying I, they're not jerks when everybody at home is going, oh, man, I hope Griffa talked about Philadelphia right now. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree. They were really loud. And uh, but like you say, uh, our team needs to give you know Lions fans something to cheer about. And it's been it's been spotty and they're not seeing a team that's on, you know, has all their weapons, all their, all their primetime players that we're paying for. And that doesn't make for a great product to watch at times. So it was disconcerting, but not surprising. So next item, Grifka, a couple sentences. We have a 94 year old owner named Martha Ford, Martha Vader with her sunglasses on indoors. Do you think this lady is really like plugged in and pushing buttons and, and getting all fired up or is she just there with the silver spoon uh, you know, sign in checks and, and does not care what happens with this team. Um, I think she cares, but um, I think pretty much like every owner, she cares more about the bottom line. So saving keeps filling, they still keep getting their money. Yeah. The, like you joked about, Oh, my dream is when I get to hold the Lombardi trophy. That's my best memory. Yeah. Okay. I, I think the dream is like when you see like the, the bottom line, how much money your Detroit lions made. And that's why you'll never sell a team. Grifka, if you're going to do my bit, you at least let me do my Martha voice. My greatest memory hasn't happened yet. I want to win the Lombardi trophy. (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine me with big old black sunglasses doing that voice. That's a perfect Martha. But yeah, I'm my take is she's probably a sweet lady. I'm sure she sits in the boardroom and says, we got to do better. It's not good enough. And it's like, 
she has no answers on how to fix it or isn't, you know, a big time winner. Like I, I just feel like said, always going to cash checks. It's always going to be with the family, people calling up saying, sell the team or wasting their time. But like, I'm still hopeful with this regime. I just, I don't see Martha as this fearless leader by any means. So next item, Grifka, quick hitter injuries. They've killed us all year long. They've been hitter miss, you know, every week, uh, two, three, four big players of ours are going down. End of this football game, Frank Ragnow, Trey Flowers, Tracy Walker, all were basically out with injuries. We already know the other big injuries. What have you thought about just the way injuries have killed us again in 2019? You know, it happens to every team. And all I got to say with that, we've talked about this before. Uh, Those injuries, if um, they're hurt, they will linger a little longer. And those guys will be like, no, I'm not quite ready to come back yet. Yep. I know you say it happens every team, and I'm the guy that's on here preaching the NFL is a close game and always comes down in the fourth quarter. Every team has injuries, but I still, if we did a 10-year study, I don't feel like the Lions have been on the good end of injuries any year. You know, every year they're beat up. Every year, two, three top guys are down, which are costing them games, costing them opportunities. It's very, very frustrating. And those are those guys plus Stafford carry on. You know, uh, Slay's been beat up. I mean, can we have some of the four stringers hurt rather than our top guys that are paying all our money to? It's ridiculous. All right, Grifka, quick hitter. Um, It's a big one on the show. We've argued many a times. TJ Hawkinson, man, I've supported him. I've also been on Twitter recently getting real frustrated that the Lions aren't using him and that he's been non-existent for, I would say, I don't know, five to seven weeks now of absolutely nothing of impact. He was pick number eight, Grifka. Go. Uh, Rookie tight end. Uh, you heard my take on it before. I don't want to kick a dead horse, but uh seems like there are a couple of times they're trying to force feed it to him because they liked the matchup. But um, he's a rookie tight end. Even Daryl Bevel said they were talking about in the game that uh, he needs to start producing more. So, <sighs> Yeah, I, I was high on this guy from a numbers perspective, but more so for what he was going to bring in the run and the pass and the uh, blocking game. I haven't seen much of it. They haven't schemed him up since week one. They haven't even got the ball to him since, I don't know, week one. Uh, When he does get it, like, there's flashes. But all these people continue to say, oh, I think he's going to be great. He's going to be amazing. I'm like, as much as I root for this guy and and he needs to be great, you know, where we took him and, and what he's supposed to bring. I haven't seen, I haven't seen greatness. I've seen a pretty smooth, decent tight end that catches it when he's open and doesn't catch it when he's been contested for the most part. And it's been very frustrating. So again, you did your whole tight end bit with give him time, takes forever. It's a hard position. I thought he'd come in and be much better. And if he doesn't make a big leap in year two, this is going to be a big, big issue for this football team. That's, that's something we can discuss later as well. You know, I, I know we've talked about this with other teams, one being the Cleveland Browns, but that's something I just kind of want to touch on with you as well and kind of get your opinion on it. So uh, I'll, we'll bring that up at a laser show as well. Not just Hawkinson, but the number of playmakers you can actually have on a team. So I, yeah. I just want to touch base on that at, on another show 
Teaser, guys. That's yep. a teaser for everybody out there. <laughs> and as Griff could teased earlier, if you want to hear some of this other stuff we talked about before the season, how high we were on this team and all the playmakers, you can go back to the archives, listen to, gosh, we got to be over you know, two to 300 shows now, Griff, before it's all uh, said and done. So final topic of the day, man. Um, just before we started recording today, I kind of got my Twitter fingers going today and was, you know, ha- having some fun, putting out statements. And so I asked the fans out there, which, you know, will continue to get their opinions. But this is one of the questions I put out. Hashtag Lions Twitter. How do you feel about Matt Pat always being kind of flatlined in the media and with his cliche answers? Also, are you guys okay with the Lions never having some of those alpha male personalities? I don't know, Grifka. I might call them dogs. Um, curious of your thoughts on both. Like, I got into a back and forth with JR. Um, seemed like a good guy. He just had a really different opinion about how it doesn't matter what they say. You know, you don't want to be calling anybody out publicly, this, that, and the other. And I was just trying to get across to him. This was my final tweet, Grifka, after we went back and forth and you know, he did the old Grifka bit. I agreed with him. He agreed with me. I kind of said, we're both passionate Lions fans. I'm not even down really on the team, but the season is off the rails, like I said earlier. And then I put, I just want the occasional unfiltered emotion from this team that I see from other teams. Outward leadership, accountability, tenaciousness, and some freaking honesty for once, both in the media, at the podium, in the huddle, everywhere. So that was like, that's what I was striving for is I just feel like we get corporate lip service. We get, you know, everything's top secret. If somebody's out, tell me they're out like for multiple weeks. Like it's not that hard. If, if your defense sucks, say our defense isn't good enough and it's obvious and we're hoping to get it better. Like I'm just getting to the point where there's some things you can say, it's okay. We're not going to kill you for it. Am I, am I totally off base here? What do you think? No, because I, I would like to hear the same thing. But, um, for, I mean, just a couple points to, you know, go with what you're saying. I know a lot of people say, like, well, Bill Belichick doesn't do that. Why Why does Matt Pat need to do it? Bill Belichick wins. So, I mean, when he loses, it's uh, it's almost like, yeah, okay, we'll get him next week. Because, yeah, they will get him next week. So, uh, so Bill Belichick has that, you know, cachet where he can do that. We like made fun of or even kind of picked on Dennis Green with the Chicago Bears bit. But you're right. I would love to see that every once in a while. Ron Rivera does that every once in a while, you know, for the Panthers. And he's had some good teams, you know, it's just, yeah, that would be nice to see. Um, Now, another point, I understand why coaches do a lot of coach speak because you've said it. I've said it. Reporters tend to like use bits, sound bits and, you know, and say like, oh, we got to take it out of context and stuff where it's almost like they're creating a headline and like somebody could read that a different way or you might, you might want to be a player might like think, what is he talking about me? And you know, something like that. So I can see why coaches speak in cliches just so that doesn't happen, but you're right. You know, if he, if Matt Pavis go like, you know, our defense, you know, we're just going to keep working on it. We've got to coach him up. Got to be better. You're right. You would love to hear a coach say like, these guys don't get to the pack. These guys don't get, it. this guy misses tackles. Why is that? But you're right. That's not going to happen, and players players aren't going to do it in the locker room either because then they're ostracized and they're gone. And so, I understand all understand all that you know behind closed doors. You know everything stays in house, but it would be nice every once in a while just to see a Lions coach because, like I said, other coaches have done it. Just kind of just you know spout off, you know, like a tea kettle. Just just go, just go get it, vent it, let it all out, and you know 
just just do that. Even Mike McCarthy did it for the you know for the Packers, and I always thought that guy was garbage. I thought every time he whined, then the Packers would get more calls for the next four games. So yeah, do that every once in a while. See if it works. Grifka, I just did this let alone ten minutes ago, but I have to do it again. I. <laughs> Are you really going to mention Mike McCarthy and not go to one of your other classic bits that I love on the show? <laughs> you know what it is. Oh, oh sorry, man. I, was, uh, I know you said quick hit, so I wasn't trying to get in everything, but that guy would just cry over everything, over his freaking Polish sausage. And, you know, like, he'd have grease dripping down his chin as he's crying about how, like, Aaron Rodgers was breathed on by some guy and how he thought it should be a roughing the passer or, like, uh... No, you know, it's the chicken wings. You got you got to say there should have been more pass interference than all of a sudden like, you know, the next four games like, you know, Jordy Nelson would just come off the line and like they'd be like in a bump and run and they would call like, you know, defensive holding. It's just like, "Okay, Mark McCarthy, you got your wish or eating your cheese dog there." So, whatever. So, I know all these people are like, bring Mike McCarthy in here. Okay, bring Mike McCarthy in here. And if he wins, cool. I'm good with him. Cool. Great. You're the greatest coach ever. But, you know, if not, yeah, go get another freaking cheese dog and eat your freaking cheese fries and eat your chili and drink your whatever, you know, whatever you drink up there. Yeah, loud mouth, sweaty, you know, go put some right yard on. Grifka, you just went down like the whole menu of items, and the only item I was looking for is crying his chicken wings. That's your go-to with Mike McCarthy. You've said it every time for two years, and now you went with chili, mozzarella sticks. You went down every other appetizer at TGIF, but you didn't give me the cry and the chicken wings, which makes no sense to me, but it's always funny. I'm trying. I'm trying to switch up his menu. He probably had enough chicken wings and stuff, but you know, his bratwurst. I know he had plenty of those being from Green Bay. Oh my gosh, Grifka, we got to end the show there because I could go on another two-minute rant about why I want the Lions to rant every blue moon um, and actually show some fire and intensity, but like you say, we'll probably talk about it on other shows, but uh, I think it's something to consider, man, just uh, how this team performs, not only on the field, but off, you know, how they're how they're dealing with things. I feel like it's not working. So, you know, what would it hurt to just go off the handle every once in a while or call out a player or get in somebody's face or like Stafford and everybody from the leadership. Okay. I always have to hear how they deal with everything behind closed doors. Would it kill you to grab a receiver by the, by the collar and, and call him out when he goes off sides or drops a pass, you know, the same guys jumping off sides on defense would it kill you to, to just get them in the face and bench them for a quarter and just say, I'm done with this. You know, I don't think so. And that's the part Jr. was saying, if you call them out, it's not going to help you. Would you like that? I said, sometimes when you're called out, you go out and then you perform or you don't do that stupid thing again. And sometimes when you let it go all the time, or when you get a nice talking to behind the scenes, all it does is say, well, I just do that again. Not a big deal. Like the guy didn't get after me. I didn't lose my job. I didn't, you know, lose any money, whatever the case may be. Like, like go do these things every once in a while, just to show that you got some plus some guts and the ability to lead not only off the field behind closed doors, but right out where everybody can see it, where they go, man, the Detroit Lions used to be pushovers. Now they're out there just getting after it, both on the field and off. And, uh, I don't know. I think it could be done tactfully where you could do it and also still be a good class in the organization. Like even the Steelers, I feel like they've got a little bit of mm to them and a little bit of don't mess with us, but also they're just really above board organization. Like, of course they've won a ton, like you said, with the uh, Patriots, but 
the Lions got to find that happy medium between being pushovers and being the nice guys in the room and being guys that win, win at a high level, and also are not afraid to, as I said on my tweet, rattle some freaking cages because some cages need to be rattled to wake this organization up, I think. And, you know, I'm yeah. trying to do it on I Twitter. Just, I, just, I just got a quick take on that because, like you said, you know, if Stafford calls somebody and you see them on the field, like, point at guys, and it makes you wonder if those guys are like, who do you think you are, Tom Brady? Who do you think you are, Aaron Rodgers? And, like, if somebody, like, said that to me if I was Matt Stafford, I would be like, yeah, maybe I could be if you caught the ball. Or maybe I could be if you guys actually blocked for me. You know, you know, stuff like that. It's just – I would love we have, to do that. Yeah, if you caught but my the counterpoint, ball, maybe I could be Tom Brady. You know, if, like, maybe yeah. if, like, the offensive line would, like, produce more of a running game or block for me so I'm not, you know, have a broken back two years in a row. Maybe I could be those guys. So, but my counter to that too is even if Matt Stafford yells at you, you know, like the next minute he's just going to be your buddy again. Like, there's no, there's nobody that scares you on this team. There's nobody that's like, oh man, like even Trey Flowers for such a beast that he is physically, you know, he's a casual kind of nice guy behind the scenes. Like, I think Trey Flowers would be that guy where like if you mess up in the locker room or you're not paying attention in the film room. He'll just come grab you up by the uh, by a collar, give you a back slap to the head, and tell you to get your stuff together. I mean, we have nobody like that on the Detroit Lions. The only guy that I see having a little bit of that is my guy Tracy Walker, where he seems like he can walk it, he can talk it, and he doesn't mess around. You know what I mean? But everybody else is that nice choir boy that we've been saying, yeah, have a bunch of those. Have a great locker room. But have a couple freaking dogs that will get after people and that will hold everybody else accountable like some of the great teams had. They didn't have a bunch of thugs, but they had a couple people that ran that house. And I don't feel like Matt Stafford with his personality, where he's at in his career, and even the way he plays a lot of time has that. You know, I don't care if he points at Eric Ebron and yells at him or does a couple things off the field. It's not that that alpha leadership that I want. And, yeah, you can do it like 80% of the time, 90% of the time quiet. But 10 to 20, I need loud, boisterous, and people going, oh, man, we better get behind that guy or we might be in the at the bowling alley, right? And uh, until we find that, I think we're just kind of meandering. And I think Matt Pat has some of that, but I think, too, that he doesn't have the full authority to be that guy. You know, he came in like a house of fire, and now he's calling him, calm, flatline. Like, I liked it better when he was changing everything and being real abrasive. Because these guys are professionals, right? Act like professionals. And if somebody gets in your butt, it's probably for a good reason. Probably because you messed up, you screwed up, man. Anyway, like you say, I could probably go another 30 minutes. But Grifka, this team needs some sandpaper right now. They need to win games, but they also need people when they're not winning to say, I'm tired of this. This isn't good enough. I'm sick of it. Like we're, I'm tired of getting pushed around by the refs. I'm tired of the NFL treating us like garbage. I'm tired of, uh, you know, all these same mistakes. The defense isn't good enough. The offense is good enough and we still can't win. Like you could say that in a tactful way, but be a little more aggressive than they are. Am I wrong? No, I mean, you could, I mean, but for some (laughs) odd reason, this, uh, this uh, <sighs> this organization does not allow that. Grifka, let's get out of here. Friday, we're going to talk about the sorry bleep Washington Redskins. We're going to talk about a game the Lions should win. Will they? Who knows what the injury report and everything else will see. Uh, it's one that, just for morale, we'd like to get a dub and maybe put the maybe we'd like to punch somebody in the face and take their candy this upcoming Sunday against the Washington Redskins. We'll talk all about it Friday, but before we do, we got one more thing left to do. 
Grifka, you got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. Got off the rails as the season has on this show, but uh, we'll come back Friday, do it all, talk Redskins, put uh, this loss behind us, hopefully get everybody healthy and go in there and, and do what we got to do. So, everybody, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on Friday. Take care. We're out. Pack the bag. Stop the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.